Hello and welcome to Bible Marathon. We're all about learning how to read the Bible, about spiritual gifts and giving proper defense and explanation for what we believe as Christians. The goal is to progress with joy in the faith and without further ado, let's get into the word. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you. Our hearts are ready. And Lord, we we ask that you'd help us to use the gift of our minds, the gift of our brains, even as we study your word. Your word is intellectual as it is spiritual. Your word is wisdom as it is powerful. So help us to see both. Help us to see that there is no distinction, that you're all wise. You're all powerful. And that our faith, our Christian faith, is not merely emotional. It's not merely experiential. It is dogged. It is strong. It is didactic. It is based on factual realities. So help us to see that, Lord. And help us to, even with all the knowledge we gain, end with worship. Help us to end with worship. Because that's what it's all about. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Feedback, guys. Amen. 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 All right. Amen. So, Amen. Can, who can um, take us back to last week? What did you, what do you remember we, we discussed last week? We talked about prayer. And last week was um, just more of an introduction to the idea of prayer, why we pray, um, a recap, as it were, why we pray. Thank you, Dara. Why do we pray as believers? Um, and then we, we, you know, we started to discuss things like, why do we pray when God already knows what we want to pray? We didn't go too deep into that, but we just touched on the surface, the idea of God wanting us to pray because he tells us to. And if a master tells you what to do, you don't question. But God is not just a master. He's a father. And because he's a father, he's not just at all about you com- complying and following his instructions uh he's also very interested in fellowship and relationship with you he wants to know you he wants you to know him and it only comes in the place of prayer so while you may go out there and focus on asking god for things there is a priority in god's heart and um i, I we had some time to discuss that i i feel the need to reemphasize that truth that more importantly in God's mind when it comes to prayer is not informing God. God knows everything before you ask. Jesus said it himself. He said, your heavenly father, what you want to ask before you do. So God is all knowing. And if that counts for anything, you can be sure that he's aware of your past, your present and your future. So that begs the question, why pray if God knows everything? Well, number one, he says you should. God wants to be glorified in your prayers. He wants you to have joy. We talked about this last week, that your joy may be full. So he calls you to pray because he wants you to have joy. There is joy that comes from answered prayers. How many of you have experienced that joy? So you've prayed and you've really trusted God about something. And all of a sudden, I mean, Bible Marathon has so many testimonies. Some of you don't even get to hear some of them, but the testimonies are a lot where even just with this priest, the few days, we've already started getting people testifying to think God, God has done. So God wants you to get joy and happiness from answers to your prayers. 
And Jesus called his disciples. He said, hey, pray now. God has given me all the power. You can pray in my name. And anything you ask in my name, believe in, you will receive. And he says you receive so that your joy may be full. But then it's not just because he wants you to pray as a command or he wants you to experience joy. There's also the added idea of God, because he knows best and you don't. Prayer is an opportunity for you to align with God. And that's a part of prayer people don't understand. <clears throat> the idea that God knows everything, you don't know everything. And so God calls you to come into union with the all-knowing God. And that's why when you pray, if you pray sincerely, a heartfelt prayer with desire, God opens your mind to things. God shows you secrets. You know, so God can say to Abraham, shall I hide the thing that I'm going to do? God wants to fellowship with you in such a way that he can share deep thoughts with you, thoughts about your life. And because many of us have enough time praying or building that relationship with God, there are many things he doesn't feel like he would share because we will not handle it well. If God showed you the next five years of your life, you are very likely going to squander. It's just like some of you here. If I give you one million right now, now, let me say $1 million. If I give you $1 million right now and I test you and I say, what will you use this $1 million, $1 million to do? Many of you, if you've not actually spent time thinking about it, when that money comes, I promise you it will go. So this is a practical example. <laughs> uh, and I'm not proud of it. When I was um, finishing school, my, my dad made a promise to me that if I graduate to the first class, you'll give me a huge sum of money. And I was like, let's go, let's do this. So I, I read, you know, I, I, my whole journey in, in university was like, you know, this song, you're the God of heels, valleys. you know, that song, that was my GPA. <laughs> it was going up and down and up and down, but it was going up and down within like a good place. So it wasn't like three, one, there's not like three, one for those of you are wondering. It was always around like first class, second class upper. Uh, please, is there anybody that doesn't know this metric of, everybody went to school in Nigeria, I'm, I'm assuming, right? Anybody, let me see. Okay, yes, you're all Nigerians. No, I, I, I don't. Yeah, sorry, except my bib. <laughs> But you, but it makes sense, right? Give me the the um, give me the equivalent of that. So that's um, summa cum laude, or how they say it. I'm so uneducated in this area. I got it. Wow, I got it. it. Thank you. Okay. So well, since you're only you're the minority, I'll, I'm sorry. I'll just get that to everyone else. So you guys know what first class and second class is. So I was always struggling, like first semester. First class, second semester, I'm down. So I was just getting B's and all of that. And I was struggling. And my dad had given me this. So I was just like Jesus. I looked at the end, the joy that was ahead of me. You know, I suffered and endured the cross, despising the shape. I really experienced like that pressure to be excellent. And story, <laughs> long story. I got to the end and I got a first class to the glory of God. So that was really exciting. And then I hadn't thought, I was thinking about the joys of the money. I wasn't thinking about the utility of the money. So I got the money. I was like, yes. Ah, okay. So first things first, I want to be kind to people. So 
I started just giving people, you know, part of the money, just like, hey, take, you know, you you are a great friend and all of that in school. And so 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 and then I changed my phone. What else did I do? I saved though, but I now saw a business opportunity and I put some of that money into that business opportunity. At the end of the day, the business did work for a while. So I was able to make some money back. But the point of this story is I within about I think a month or two months, that money was gone. And this was a significant amount of money, by the way. It was gone. And I couldn't realize, I couldn't like understand how. And yeah, some people would judge me. But the point of this story is many times God will not give you some things because he doesn't think you can handle it yet. And you, you are there thinking, you know, God doesn't like me. He doesn't want to hear me or answer my prayers. And if you just spent more time praying, you will align with God, right? And you'll be able to think his thoughts, you know, his plan and align yourself with his plan. And that's kind of what we discussed last week, where we said the things God really wants to help us with in this realm of prayer or in this discipline of prayer is not to think about all the things we can get from God, but prioritize the things that God can do in us in prayer. I'll say that again. God doesn't want us to prioritize what we can get. Your heavenly father knows everything. So when you pray, it's not about just asking. Of course, you should ask and petition. The Bible says, make your petitions known to God. But the result or the reward is peace. It is a state of mind that helps you handle difficult situations in life. That's the reward. It's not necessarily always getting the exact things you ask. And James gets the picture well. He says, you ask, but you do not receive. Why? He says, because you ask amiss. You, you want to consume it on your own lust. So if you're asking God for certain things, when he has already said, oh yeah, anything you ask in my name, I'll give to you. There's the caveat of, well, you must ask in his name according to his will for you to get answers. And that was kind of like the summary of what we did last week. And I hope that really blessed you that the end result of prayer um, or the, the, the important thing for God when it comes to prayer is having faith, not that God will, not necessarily that God will give you what you want, but that God will give you what you need. That's the emphasis. The emphasis of prayer is God giving you what he knows you need. And it may not look like what you want. Many times it doesn't look like what you want because you're not as smart as you think. I mean, I think prayer has saved me so many times. I made so many decisions that it was later on I realized, oh, wow, this decision I made was very, very on point. But it was because I was dependent on God and I was not trying to get my own will. In fact, many times it is when you don't have a will of your own and you're just like, thy will be done, oh God. That is when you live the fullest life. And so I think I just want to charge you, please, if you're waiting on God for something right now and you're not getting that particular thing that you want, it doesn't mean God is not hearing you. And it may mean that God doesn't want to give that to you because he has a better plan. Like in Paul's situation, Paul is buffeted by Satan. Persecution is coming around him and he prays to Jesus. He says, three times I prayed. Second Corinthians chapter 12. I prayed to him three times, three separate times. And the answer was always no. And he said, my strength 
is made perfect in your weakness. So in other words, God did not want to give him a free pass. God saw the opportunity that this brought for his own growth and the pro- progress of the gospel and said, hey, I will let you learn of my that is made perfect and complete in weakness. Because when you die to yourself, I'm seen. When you come to the end of yourself, then I show off, right? And God wants to show off in your life. Amen. So any questions on that? Because we're about to discuss, we're about to do serious Bible study today. <laughs> and I don't know how many of you are ready for the kind of labor we're about to put in. Um, but any question, I want to address quick questions on what we discussed last week. Last week's emphasis was on faith, faith in prayer. And that faith is not moving the hand of God to get him to do what you want. Faith is, is, is basically believing and trusting as the word is defined, believing and trusting in God's plan, asking for your own thing, but trusting in God's plan. Final example to cap it up and to emphasize the points even further. Look at Jesus. At the point, it seems like Jesus is having another will from that of the father. When he's about to die, he's under pressure. He realizes his, the end of his life is near. And what does he think to do? He thinks to, that's a lesson in itself. Most of us, the first thing we do when we have troubles in our lives, we want to, we want to complain. We want to, you know, we just want to find a way. And that's a bad impulse. Your first impulse, whenever there is a troubling situation, let us pray. That should be your first impulse. Oh, I don't know what to do now. Let's pray. My boss is annoying me. Let's pray. Um, I'm feeling a headache pray like let that be something you train yourself to do start with god that was jesus's life jesus was the embodiment of god in flesh you know that right he took on flesh dwelt among us jesus had the ability to do things that no human today can catch up to yet he would wake up in the middle of the night to pray who is what is he talking to god about (laughs) do you get so he had different priorities and so when he was in a time of trouble it was not you know, something he would just do on the side. It was something he had been doing. He had built a habit of praying. But when he came to the troubling time, it was the natural thing for him to do. I think the instruction in just that part is don't wait till the problems are huge in your life. Don't wait till the problems are overwhelming. Don't do that. Don't do that. You should start praying now when things are okay. And then Jesus goes ahead and, um, starts to open his heart to God. He says, God, I am, (sighs) my heart is, I'm sorrowful even unto death. And this is another lesson here, guys. The very idea that Jesus was able to be open to the father means that in prayer, vulnerability is welcome. In fact, vulnerability is the key part of your prayer. God doesn't want you to hold on to your pain. God doesn't want you to struggle in your pain. You know, there's a song I just learned recently. Uh, pardon my voice. Hold on. You're the God of every grace. Um, you catch my tears. You hold my days. I sing through sorrow, sing with faith. The God of every grace. Oh, to the God of every grace. Something like that. It's a new song by my favorite um, composers, Keith and Christine Getty. And the song is basically saying, God is the God of every grace. 
So there's nothing too hard for him. There's nothing he does not understand. And so when you are in his presence, you know, in, in the place of prayer, he's catching your tears. Like some of you have probably thought God was missing in your difficult times or your trying times. And when you had things happen to you, you didn't want to happen to you or when you lost a loved one or just your circumstances are not the ideal circumstances. And you just feel, where is God in my picture? And he's right there. Like he's there. <laughs> don't ever feel for once. Don't ever feel for once that God is not in your story. He's right there. When you are crying, he's there. He doesn't want to just wipe your tears off immediately because he loves you more. You know, the best p- parents, you know, from, I mean, I don't know if there's this scientific backing, but I can tell you for a fact, the best parents are those who let their children have a level of freedom. They're the ones that allow their children to be vulnerable. Parents who just tell children what to do every single time. Sit down, shut up. Those children end up being messed up. Some of you are messed up because of that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm very sorry to say like, I mean, I had, I, my dad is alive and he's amazing. He's an amazing man. He raised really good godly men, but that was one part that affected me. Thank God for the balance of my mom. My dad was just very, I want to get my own way. And he would tell me what I should do at time. In fact, till now, he's trying to ask me to do something. I'm like, dad, I'm, I'm a full grown man you know, about to get married. Like, what is, what is the big deal? Like, leave your, you're going to love your wife. Leave me alone. <laughs> and some of you, like, you have parents that are just so annoying right now. And the best kind of parents are those who will let you be. And then you learn, you enjoy yourself. You say, ah, and they say, ah, come, come. We will now comfort you. And then you've learned your lesson. And you know, this person really loves me. So he's letting me explore. I mean, there's a limit to that. Your parents should be able to guard you from, from other things you see and and if i say that i feel as africans and nigerians it's a big issue we need to renew our minds and but this is a digression jesus is vulnerable with god he comes there and he says my soul is exceedingly sorrowful i can't handle this i can't do this like i can imagine what jesus was going through in that moment like i can't i'm going to die like i'm going to die like i'm i'm go- the the son of god who healed all these people I would let people kneel my hands. I would be treated, um, you know, with scorn, flogged, beaten, spat on. I created them. Just imagine. Sorry, was I muted? Someone muted me. What was the last thing I said, please? Or oh, last thing you heard? Just, Just imagine. imagine. What? Just imagine. Okay. Wow. That's a wow. But okay. So, but just imagine what Jesus felt. The pain, the tangible pain. And so he opens his heart to God. And imagine Jesus talking to the father. Now, before now, Jesus had been saying, I come to do the will of my father. I only do what my father says. Um, I and my father are one. He has been, that was Jesus' conversation. Every time he went out, he said, you don't know, because you don't know me, you don't know the father. He was always talking about the oneness in God's plan and his plan. And then he comes to this moment. And this is literally what many of us experience. We are Jesus with God many times. Uh, because he's giving us answers to prayers. I spoke to a lady one day and the lady used to, uh, she was telling me why she, she's really struggling with her Christian faith. And I have tried to help her. I, some people really don't want to be helped because you tell them what to do and they just go back and don't do anything. It's like, Oh, that was, that was good advice. And they don't do anything. You can't help people like that. But I tried and 
she mentioned how she had just been, you know, when she was, she, she said she was a Christian, she loved God, that anytime she tells God, she'll pray, Lord, let there be, let there be light, and Nepal will bring light. So she used to be happy that God was answering her prayers. And that now she doesn't get answers. And I was like, wow, that's why, wow. <laughs> it was shocking. Like, that's why you're not a Christian or you don't take ser- Christianity seriously because you were asking God at a time in your life for everything and God was giving it to you. And all of a sudden now you're not getting it. So maybe there's no God. Maybe it was a fiction, you know, it was a, it was a figment of your imagination. And I tried to tell her like, PHCN, Power Holding Company of Nigeria, is a company. People own the company. You don't just pray to God and God will just scatter everybody. Yeah, leave PHCN, go away. Where is the thing? I switch. <laughs> that's how people think. And I'm like, that is just, that's just wrong. God doesn't interfere in the, in, the, in the things men do. That's not how, you know, God works. God gives us the full um, reins of power in our domain. The earth is the, the Bible says the heavens, even the heavens are the Lord and the earth has he given to the children of men. So the earth is for us. If things are going wrong, we are the cause. If things are going right, we are the cause. Prayer is one of the avenues where we can bring God in, but it has to be according to his will. But that's just a side note again. Look at the fact that Jesus, who was one with the father, got to this moment of vulnerability and said, I am sorrowful. I am struggling. God, can you please take this cup from me? And when it means cup, he says, it means, when he says cup, it means suffering, this experience of death. Is there any other way for us to achieve this plan of salvation? Like imagine Jesus thinking like that. What does Jesus leave the prayer place saying? Who can tell me the statement of Jesus when he's done praying? He prayed at least three hours. Yeah? Goodness, what did you say? Uh, oh, Vicky, sorry. Yeah. What was the response? Not my will, but your Absolutely. So what did Jesus leave the prayer place with? An answer? Strength. He left strength with strength. If So he left, number one, with a realignment which is why you cannot survive without prayer. See, if you're a Christian and you don't have a prayer life, struggle to have one. Like, do all you can to have one. Let it be messy at worst. Like, let it be unstructured, but have one. Like, have it. Just make sure that no day goes by without you talking to your father. Because what what you, you could be so destabilized if you don't have that. Just imagine Jesus. Who are you then? Jesus himself you know, because he was in the flesh, could go through this kind of troubling temptation to evade the plan of God. And then, but he ends up in prayer with basically, no, going away and God's will will be done. So Jesus reorients his mind in prayer and he starts saying, yes, it's still about you, it's your will. I will go and suffer and obey even to death on the cross because that's your will. And so he, he, he's res- resolved to do that. But then after that, the Bible tells us God did answer. Like, I'm not just going to give you a no where I'm not changing my plan. I'm going to give you strength. And the Bible says in one of the gospels, and angels came and strengthened him. This was a similar experience to when he was tempted in the wilderness. Same thing happened. So there is always strength with temptation. And that's how God teaches us to grow as Christians. 
when you struggle, when you're in a difficult time, you should be thinking, like James said, count it all joy when you go through trials and tribulations, knowing this, that the trial of your faith works patience. Oh, so that's what God wants to work in you. Patience and let patience do its perfect work in you so that you are complete and entire wanting nothing. That's James chapter one from verse three, right? And then he tells you, hey, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask from God who gives freely. He doesn't hold it back. He says, ask in faith, ask in faith. So everything comes back to the question of faith. When you ask God, know that he's not going to take away the suffering necessarily. Sometimes he might, but if he chooses not to, he's still good. He still knows what's best for you. You will never learn how to ride a bicycle without falling down. Don't quote me on that. I, I just know that most people fall down because, I mean, you are going to have to run, go on two, by, two, two tires. And so at the beginning stages, you're going to stumble. But if you're always just trying to stay up and you don't allow yourself to be free, you will not ride that bike. So there's always going to be opposition to, uh, to, to the progress you want to see. And it's going over that opposition that you see the progress you want. And so Jesus lives with strength. He lives with strength. So God can answer your prayers in different ways. God can answer your prayers directly with what you've asked for. Lord, I want the promotion and he gives it to you. Nice. That's the ideal situation. I love it. Lord, I want to marry brother A and B. I want to marry this particular man. He's very cute. He's very handsome. This is who I want. Lord, I want him in the place of prayer. And I'm going to kabash. And then you pray all night long. And all the angels will just be looking at you. Are you sure? Are you sure that's what you, God wants for you? And so God will, because you're his child, and Hebrews 12 says he disciplines us. He takes care of us. He, he's Jesus and the Godhead, they are very nosy when it comes to our business. If he could give his own son to die, I don't think there's anything else he cannot give you. So when he doesn't give it to you, there's a reason for it. Is that a good summary or what? Like, does that help you grasp this concept of faith in prayer? I hope it does. So now let's jump into the, uh, let me clarify, just because I was like nosy. Why did I use the word nosy? Yes, nosy because God sees everything. But I think more particularly, he sees you in a way that is just, you know, deep let me show you there's a text you know i've i've known this text for a long time but it just came alive recently again first john chapter 3 from verse 1 let me share my screen i've been quoting scriptures but i haven't quoted them that's not good um i'm using the hcsb the hcsb is so beautiful it says look at how great a love the father has given us that we should be called god's children the key word there is look in other words, he's calling their attention to see something. He's calling their attention to see something. He says, look at how great a love the Father has given us. So the love of God has been displayed, and he says you have to look at it. He wants to know everything about you, and he wants you to bring him into that, that experience. Now, does God know all things? Absolutely. But there is a relational part of God that you will not experience. Like things but how does that apply it is the relationship with god that makes the difference who gets what i'm saying it's not just you know there's a difference between um a ceo and a father the ceo can know everything that's happening in the company right and a father can know everything that's happening in 
maybe un, unlikely that he knows everything the child is doing, but to a large extent can know everything because he saw you grow and everything. But there's a difference between a CEO and a father. A CEO just wants things done. Their KPI is met, deliverables supplied, doesn't want to know anything else. A father that may have that same level of knowledge and you know um, power and authority has a different relationship with you. So there is a re- there's a relational part. He wants to know who you are, how you feel. Am I, you know, there is that vulnerability there because he's, there's, you know, if you get lost, he will not be okay. You get what I mean? Like that, the, I'm talking about the ideal father. Like there's going to be, if you are, especially let me use the mother, yeah, the gist, you know, um, you are pregnant for nine months. You finally have a child and the child somehow is lost. Eh? You'll not be yourself again. So that's a relational that's it. Is it? Is it? There's a tie, and and I think that's one thing God wants to have with you in prayer. He wants you to just be aligned to Him, to be so connected to Him that there's no disparity. And you can say like Jesus, "I am my Father, are one." You may not say it in the way Jesus can say it, but there must be a, a sense in which you can say that. Like I'm one with the Father. I I understand what He's saying, and I'm doing what He says I should do. Like I'm aligned, right? So one of the questions that um will come up here when it comes to prayer. And we had the question come up last week, which is, I asked, why do people avoid prayer? Why don't people pray? We said, number one, ignorance, right? They don't know they can ask God, but that's rare. Most people know about prayer. So that's not the most popular one. Someone said, the reason people don't pray is because they feel a sense of guilt that will God really listen to me? After all I've done, I'm a bad person. And I said, well, he that did not spare, 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 see, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? I think that was Romans 8.32 thereabouts. So if God did not spare the best gift and gave him to you, Romans 5.8, while you were still dead in sins and trespasses, while you were still ungodly, Christ died for you. You were not asking for it. And, and God went the extra mile and went the extra mile and did what he did. How much more will he give you anything? Like the point is he's trustworthy. He's trustworthy. So if, if, your, um, if your reason for not praying is, I don't think God can forgive me. I've done this and that. You're missing the point. God has forgiven you. He loves you. And he proved it on the cross. So every time you doubt in the place of prayer that God is hearing you, number one, he hears you. Number two, he's for you. If you believe in his son, it's a guaranteed. There is assurance that he hears you, that he's for you and not against you. Paul says it, if God be for us, who can be against us? Like that's the confidence that a Christian needs to have. All right. So if if guilt is the issue, learn today, that should not stop you. The writer of Hebrews says, come boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy. So whatever is keeping you away should be the reason you come to him. The reason he came to you is because something kept you away from him. So do the same thing. The reason you should go to him is because something is keeping you away from him. And it's the same thing in natural relationships. If there is a conflict with a friend that you've had for many years, the way to resolve that conflict is not to stay apart from each other. It's to engage with the conflict. Come to the person, challenge them. I don't like what you said. 
it was offensive and you know you wrestle it together and then you get to a point and then you come to a consensus okay i'm sorry i'm sorry and you restore the relationship and it can be as simple as i'm sorry i'm sorry right so sometimes you need that mental i'm sorry um when it comes to relating with god because god is always for you his, his arms are always wide stretched but sometimes like my pastor would teach gutsy guilt have gutsy guilt i'm guilty but i have guts because God gives me the authority and the opportunity to come boldly. So please don't be that person who runs away from God and prayer and spiritual things because you're not making progress in your work with God. In fact, the cure for prayerlessness is prayer. People don't know that. So if you are prayerless and you're wondering, why am I not praying? That is obvious. Just pray. Like go step forward and say, Lord, um, I know you've forgiven me. I know I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm clean in your sight, not because I'm perfect or I'm doing everything right, but I trust in your goodness. Your goodness is enough. It covers my wrongs. And so, Lord, I can approach you. Approach you. I'm obeying you. I'm not being proud by staying away. I'm humbling myself to come back and say, I accept your love and let's, let's move forward. You know, so if you are struggling with an addiction, if you are, you know, in a situation that you shouldn't be in and you remember to pray. That is God signaling you that he's still your father. Come back. God will not let you stray too far. Never does. His children, you can try. You can flee to the world. He will draw you back. Hebrews 12. Read Hebrews 12. That's when you know you're a child. If he's not drawing you back, then we should start having that conversation. Are you saved? Because you should have a restriction in your heart. Like something should be pulling you back. Like, ah. I can't live like this. And maybe you are fighting it, but you can't fight for too long, you know. Then another another issue people have is I've prayed so much and I have a series, just like my friend that I told you about, series of unanswered prayers. And so because I'm not getting those prayers answered, maybe there's really, first of all, the extreme is there, maybe there's no God. And then a lighter version, like, Doubt light, you know, when I say, you know, when they say bud light or, or like the, the light version of that doubt is, well, yes, God exists, but maybe he doesn't really care for me that much. You know, maybe he doesn't really love me. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just one of those trashy people and I'm not special. Right. That could be your thought process. And it's okay to be there. Do you know? It's okay to actually go through that because I, I think the church is not helping a lot of people by, you know, they, they will tell you, let the weak say I'm strong. And that's even a conversation for another day. Like that scripture is out of context um, for many people. The Bible doesn't say you should lie about your situation. You should be honest. Jesus himself said, I'm sorrowful. So just don't stay too long in that state, but it's okay to be there. If I ask you, how are you? Don't just be the person that says, I'm fine. And you're not fine. Be honest. Just, I'm, I'm struggling. Pastor Ernest, I'm struggling. How can I move forward? That's what helps you grow. And um, back to the question, if, if you are in that situation where you've been asking God and you've, been, you've not been receiving answers, there are a number of things to ask. Number one, am I praying in faith? Meaning, am I trusting that God can actually do this. You know, you can pray mindless prayers where you want something, but you're not really asking for it. You just feel like, oh, God knows. God wants you to ask. So maybe you're just not asking 
him in faith. You're not believing that what you're saying makes sense and what he's hearing, he can do. So that's one, one of the issues. Maybe you don't just have faith aligning with what you know God can do. You can know God is powerful, but do you believe he's willing? That's the first one. The second issue that could come from um, when we talk about unanswered prayers is the is is the the belief that everything I ask God must do. And I just addressed that before. So maybe you've had the wrong idea of prayers being answered. You just think it's everything you ask. Oh God, favor me. Oh God, favor me. And then you, specif- you write the list of things. And because he doesn't do A, B, C, D, E, you start thinking he doesn't love you. Whereas God is like, I have a better plan. Can you calm down? These things that you're asking for, is <laughs> like, you know, ah, man, let me see if I can g- give you this example. This was um, a- an example I heard from my pastor, but I, I can relate to it because a-, a very similar thing happened to me. So at this time, I was, I, when I first came to the US, I used to stay with my, my an aunt. And that aunt used to have a lot of kids come around. And um, <laughs> there's, there's a young lady, her name is um, Jewel. Right, Jew, like a jewel. They named her Jewel. I like the name actually. And so she would come and she'll be like, she calls me Femi. She'll be like, oh, Femi. And then she'll run, she'll hug me and everything. So I got close to the children there. And so anytime I go there, I'll buy stuff for them. So I'll ask, what do you want? What do you want? And this particular Jewel, she, she, I asked her, like, what do you want? Tell me anything you want. And she just started listing things that I was like, oh, wow. Like, wow, you want ice cream, you want pizza. Like she was asking for things that didn't have any real significance. And in my mind, what I was thinking was, she's going to ask me for something like $50 and I was going to willfully give her that money or, you know, get her something like a tech device that she can use to, you know, those iPad things that children play with. That's what I was thinking because I, um, I forgot to add that it was for her birthday. So I was asking, what do you want? And she didn't just, she didn't have any real substantial thing to ask me for. And so me, you know, the age difference is extremely wide. So I've been through life. I know that those things, you eat it and that's the end. But she didn't know because, you know, all she was thinking of is just, I want to enjoy and taste something sweet in my mouth. Meanwhile, what I had for her was greater. I had a better plan for her. I, I knew what would be better, what would benefit her. So if she had let me, if she had said anything, Uncle Femi, anything, ah, I said, okay, let me show off my uncle, you know, everything. And I'll go, I'll probably buy a book, a coloring book, things that will make her grow and, you know, use her mind, maybe even add the candy as a bonus. But because we're asking, and that's the connection with, you know, when it comes to asking, James said, you ask and you have not because you ask amiss. There is the first aspect of you asking amiss. Not it means to ask amiss. It means to miss the mark. You're asking for things that don't make sense. And God is like, I love you too much to give you what you don't want. In fact, one of the things God can do in judgment is to give you what you ask for. Ah, I wish I had time to explain this. Let me give you an example. The, The people of Israel wanted a king so bad. God wanted to be the king of Israel. God wanted to be their king forever. And then unveil the king Jesus, who is 
God as well, right? So that was the plan. That was the ultimate plan. But these people were resilient. They were obstinate. They were fighting God's plan. They said, no, we want a king. Why? They were looking at all the other nations. This, this, um, yes, this, this nation has kings. Kings. Why don't we have kings? <sighs> so God was just tired of them. And said, okay, people want a king. So God reluctantly gave them a king. Now, was that God's plan? No. God didn't want to give them a king. That was not what he wanted to do. He already knew what he wanted to do. But sometimes when you are stubborn and hard-hearted, God will give you what you ask for. And so instead of it being an answer to a prayer, it is actually a curse because what happened with Saul? Saul brought about a lot of bad things for the people of Israel. Do you know? It was David that kind of redeemed things. And it was still, David was still not God's plan. Do you know? God was just going to use David to, to tell the story of Christ. And God did that absolutely wonderfully. God will always use the actions of men, the in the choice-based actions of men to bring about his, his plans. He's God, he's sovereign, can do that. But, but people try to, you know, mix things up, you know, just to, to so it's categorically told Samuel, these people have asked for a king, so go give them a king. And we see how that went, right? And then later on in the story, if you read uh, first and second Samuel, you follow the story, you see that, eventually found out they eventually saw that that was not um what god wanted for them and so you don't want to be asking for things that god doesn't want you to have consistently and thinking that god does not love you so here's the way to think god loves me so much that if i ask for something he doesn't necessarily want me to have i've obeyed him by asking so i can trust so i should have a prayer that is open I should have a, an open-ended prayer. Lord, this is what I want. I pray for hours on it. I pray for it. I say, Lord, I've prayed for this, but I know you have better plans for me. I trust in your power. I trust in your plan. I, I don't have to worry. I'm just coming to you because I want to fellowship with you. I know you know my needs. You know my wants. You know, you feed the birds in the air, the grasses, you clothe them. How much more me? I know you, you've got me, but Lord, here's what I want. Like, I'm still going to pour out my heart. I'm going to be honest. But maybe I'm asking for ice cream and pizza and God has a PlayStation 5, <laughs> you know. Now, sometimes it can get very, it can be more difficult. So this is just like I'm asking for ice cream and pizza, which would be the equivalent of I'm asking for a job or this and that. But sometimes it's not just as light as that. It could be you're praying for a loved one to not die. It could be you are you know, you're in a very, very difficult situation, like a catch-22. You can't go left, you can't go right, you can't do anything. You're in abject suffering. And the Bible has comfort for that as well. A lot of scriptures that if I delve into, that would be an entire teaching. But here's how I want to summarize it. It's hard, but you have to trust God even in the pain. Um I'm about to sing another song. Today is the song deal. Um, okay, so the title of the song is The Perfect Wisdom of Our God um, by the same people. I don't know why I've been listening a lot to songs on suffering. I don't know. Anyway, let's let's let me let me let me tell you the lyrics of that song. Um, so the type the title of the song is The Perfect Wisdom of Our God, and it gets to a part, it starts with the you know, the 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 uh, the matchless wisdom of his ways that mark the path of righteousness and humbly to receive. Listen to this part. 
and and teach me humbly to receive the sun and the rain of your sovereignty. Which means God needs to teach you humility. And that humility should be one that says, help me to humbly receive. When, when I have prayed, though, it's not like I've not prayed. Um, but if after I've prayed and I've had faith, I'm still going through this trial. I have to receive humbly the sun and the reign of God's sovereignty, meaning God is wiser. This is hard, but this is the definition of faith. The definition of faith is I'm about to kill my only son, my only son. I've not had any other son. Finally, I, I first of all, I did it my way. I, I slept with the harlot, uh, sorry, with my, 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 my maid servant and she and God says, no, that's not the seed. That's not who I want to build my nation through. And so Abraham has to wait. Finally, he has the son of promise, Isaac. And God says, okay, take your son, your only son whom you love, and go and offer him to me. Ha! I finally have this thing I've waited for like not less than 25 years. 25 years. Some of you are never up to 25, but you've waited up to that point, and all of a sudden, God bring him. And Abraham, the Bible says he staggered not at the promises of God. In fact, the Bible records why he did it. And it's so beautiful. Abraham was so convinced that even if God is saying, give this son back to me, end his life, which on the surface, people will look at it as, wow, God is taking back what he gave. And many of you have had experiences where it seems like God is taking back something he gave you. But Abraham was like, if God said in Isaac shall my seed be called, that means God has a plan with Isaac. So it's not possible for God to fail, right? If Isaac dies, but Isaac is the one that the seed should be called, then God is going to raise him back up. That was the, that's what the Bible says about Abraham. It says, he, let me see if I can pull that scripture up. I want you guys to see it on the screen. Uh, Romans four seventeen. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. God bless you, replica. So Romans four sixteen. This is why the promise is by faith, so that it may be according to grace, to guarantee it to all descendants, not only to those who have the law, but also to those who have Abraham's faith. He's talking about the faith of Abraham. That's the context. Then he says, in God's sight, as it is written, I have made you father of many nations. So. God told him, you're going to be father of many nations. And it's through Isaac that that's going to happen. So he believed God. And so what does that look like? What does believing God look like? You have to believe in the God who gives life to the dead and calls things into existence that do not exist. Look at, look at, he's about to tell you what he did. Against hope. So the situation was hopeless. He says with hope, he believed. So it was hopeless, but he had hope. Ah, oh God. So there, there was hopelessness. How many of you have been in a hopeless situation? Some of you might be in a hopeless situation right now. But Abraham's example is powerful. He says, against hope, with hope he believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what had been spoken. So will your descendants be. But here's the secret. Here's the insight into what Abraham was thinking. He said, he considered his own body to be already dead, that's Abraham, because at this point, he's 100 years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. 
without weakening in the faith. He says he did not waver in unbelief. He did not stagger in unbelief. He did not think, oh, yes, God will do this and God will not. He was stable in belief at God's promise, but he was strengthened in his faith. You see how strength is always synonymous with suffering. It's so weird that you are only made stronger when things are difficult. That's why Paul can say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The mindset of Paul was, oh, if I have strength from God, I can abase, I can suffer, I can be hungry, and I'm good. But not still there. Verse 21, look at, look at his mindset. Because he was fully convinced that what he had promised, what God had promised him, he was also able to perform. He was also able to perform. If God said he was going to do something, he was going to do it. Let me show you the other um, text that talks about his faith. Still in line with this, Romans 4 talks about the faith part of Abraham. But Hebrews 11 teaches us Abraham's thinking. So let's look at it. Um, let's see. Let's see. Okay. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Abraham? Okay, good. Hebrews eleven seventeen, and And I want you to understand that this is not empty belief. Abraham received a promise and had to believe that promise. So I think you can already draw a line across any prayer points that God has not promised you. Like if you don't get it, there's no promise that you should have it. So um, the extreme case would be, I'm praying to have somebody else's husband. God doesn't, God is not in the business of breaking up families. So you can't get that. No matter how hard you pray. Prayer is powerful, it's potent. But when it's mixed with the wrong motive, zero, it zeroes out. And then there's some things you pray for that, in, like I'm explaining, it's not categorically spelled out in scripture that this is what you must, that you know, God is promising to give you this. And because God did not specifically promise to give you that, if you get it, then it's a mercy of God. If you don't get it, it's also like, it's still trusting God because he didn't promise that. So the, the basis of faith is always in the promises of God. The, the overall faith of the Christian is in the promise that when you die, you will rise again. So you're a Christian. There is no sign that you're, there's nothing right now. It's not like you have a halo over your head. You know, maybe you speak in tongues and that's, that's, but how, how good enough is that for the unbeliever? You just think it's gibberish. It's not enough evidence. They can't see anything supernatural about you. So what is the, what is the, what makes the difference for the Christian? We are faithful, meaning we are full of faith, right? We are thinking about what God has promised. So what's the promise to every Christian? You will not die and stay in death. You will not perish. You will have everlasting life. That's the promise of God. If you believe in Jesus, you will not die. He is the resurrection and the life. He that believes in him will not die. He that dies will be raised from the dead. That's the promise of God. So it's like, okay, I know that as a Christian, when I die, at the trump of God, I will rise from the dead. So it's based on the promise of God, right? You get, there's a promise. So you can have a strong conviction about it. So God did not promise you, you'll be Alikodangote and you'll be the wealthiest man. So you cannot start asking God for that and expect to have that because God did not promise you that. If you work hard, there are principles you can apply that you can become an alikodangote. You don't even need to know God to, to do it. God has set some things in motion. 
you know, you may have been praying, oh God, I didn't want to fail physics. You are a, you are a wicked God because I, I prayed, I trusted you. I went to, to church and I did not default once. And even when I was supposed to be studying, I went to do evangelism. God will just be looking at you like this because he did not promise you A in physics. He promised that if you are diligent in your business, you will stand before kings. If you put in the hard work, you get the results. So if, even if you don't have faith, if you follow the principle, you get the results. But when it comes to things that God has clearly promised, you can, you can bet your life on it. And that's faith. So by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He who had received the promises was offering up his unique son, his only son, about whom it had been said, in Isaac, your seed will be called. So look at how he was thinking. Abraham was thinking. He considered God to be able even to raise someone from the dead, <laughs> from which he also got him back as an illustration. So the writer of Hebrews is trying to show us this very, very powerful fact. Abraham was convinced that God said, in Isaac shall I see it be called. It's a promise, a clear promise. God spoke directly to him. And so God will not fail in his promises. That's faith. That's faith. That's faith. So you have to hold the Bible, not the iPad, sorry, the Bible in the iPad um, and find God's promises. There are many promises. Many of them are tied to your salvation and that's good enough. Then another promise is I will never leave you. So if God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, first of all, anytime you don't feel him, you have every right to faith his presence for lack of a better word. Okay, God said you'll never leave me. He's here. Even though I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear you are here. That's a promise of God. So the more you get into the word of God, the more you see his promises, the more your faith is ignited. Praise the name of Jesus. Hmm. Man, time is running out. I want us to pray. And I feel like the direction went a little different, but I think this is, this is useful, useful stuff, useful stuff. The question we really wanted to answer today was, can we change God's mind in prayer? Can we change God's mind in prayer? And um, let's see, how much time do we have? 17 minutes. 17 minutes. Ugh, I can't do it. <laughs> I cannot do it. What we can do is I can, I can have a, um, let me see, Friday. Look at that. Friday 18th. I have to get back to Philippians. I really wanted to address it. You know what? We still, it's a series. So we'll get there in time. We'll still get there and we'll still have that conversation. All right. And I will answer it. Um, I've done a lot of studying on it. And I think it's just a very powerful revelation. Um, you know, it's, it's going to blow your mind. So please don't miss any Sunday. Don't miss any Sunday. But I really want us to pray. Um, I want us to put to practice everything that we say we believe. First of all, that God is a faithful God. And that he hears us when we pray and that we can trust him. So your prayer should be an invitation to trust. Prayer is an invitation to trust. Prayer is an invitation to trust. God is saying, if you are not proud, you will pray. If you think you can handle your life by yourself and I'm not as important, you will not pray. If you believe that I have all power to do all things, and you know that that power can be demonstrated towards you, you will pray. And I need you to understand that the Bible calls us to pray and to expect answers to our prayers. So even with the context I've given to you, this context is biblical theology. So things are hard, you know how to respond. But 
I can tell you for a fact, prayer works. Prayer works. In fact, many times you will get the things you're asking for because first of all, in prayer, you've aligned yourself to God's plan. And so now you're thinking like God. So you're asking for the things God wants to give you. Last scripture, and we'll pray. Look at um, Psalm 37, verse 1. We'll read to verse 4. I want you to see something profound. And then we're going to pray. Psalm 37 from verse 1. Those of you who are in the training, um, up to teach. Notice what I said. I said Psalm 37, verse 1. Okay. It's a contextual joke. All right. Psalm 37, verse 1 says, Do not be agitated by evildoers. Do not envy those who do wrong. Very good instruction. For they wither quickly like grass and wilt like tender green plants. And there's so much to say about this. This is not the point I'm trying to make, but let me leave you with this thought. He says, do not be agitated by evildoers. You may have a temptation to compare yourself with those in the world or people that are doing things against God's plan. They are, they are you know, finding their way, finding loopholes in the system, trying to go against God's idea. So don't envy those who do wrong. They will fade away. They are, they are, look at Hush Puppy. How many of you know Hush Puppy? And it was everyone Instagram posting, hey, you know, Rolls Royce. You, there was one picture of him. I, I watched a documentary. I think he had like a fleet of, Ferrag- uh, what's this? Um, this very, of Ferraris, like lined up. And he was always wearing Gucci and everything. I was like, where's this guy making his money from? And Nemesis caught up to him because he was caught. And that's exactly this. Don't be agitated by people who are trying to cheat the system and doing things the wrong way. They will wither like grass and disappear. Instead, what should you do? He says, trust in the Lord and do what is good. So the first thing is reorient your mind to think good things. Whatever things are honest, pure, of good report, virtuous, think on those things. Like choose to do what is right. Choose to, like Abraham, not stagger at God's promises. Don't try to cheat your your way to the top. Don't try to do anything that would be against God's plan. It says, trust in the Lord and do what is right. Dwell in the land and live securely. And then he says, delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desire. So you are seeing the subject of detaching yourself from evildoers and their lifestyle and aligning yourself with God's ideas. Because when you align yourself with God's ideas, guess what he will give you? The answers. He'll give you what he really wants for you. So he says, delight in the Lord. Put your, take your delight in delight in good, delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. And you can make the assumption that he will not give you um, desires that are not in line with his will because you don't delight in him. You see? So the, the relationship is there. Relationship is there. So I want you to be stirred up in faith that I know I have a father. He calls me friend. He calls me son. He calls me daughter. I have a relationship with this God, the God of the universe, the one who humbles himself to behold the heavens, the one who humbles himself to sit on a throne, the one who is all powerful, the one who created everything. That's your God. And he says, ask anything in my name and I will do it. So he calls you to pray. He calls you to be part of this beautiful privilege called prayer. And so we're going to put that to practice within the next few minutes that we have. So I want you to start by giving God thanks 
right now. And if you can unmute yourself and pray, uh, you know, that would encourage other people as well to pray. Just begin to thank God. God, I thank you for the privilege of prayer. I thank you for the privilege to ask anything in your name according to your will. I thank you for the privilege of prayer, Lord. I don't take it for granted. You know everything that I'm supposed to do. You know my past, present, and future, but you've called me to pray. So I will pray. I will pray. I will humble myself and I will take hold of this privilege of oneness with you of communion with you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I take the privilege of prayer as a precious one. I hope you are praying wherever you are. Even if you are muted, please just take away distractions and just pray. Say, Lord, I thank you for the privilege of prayer. Thank you because in you, I have answers. In you, I have my needs met. In you, I can ask and trust and receive in the name of Jesus. I thank you. Oh, father, thank you for the privilege of prayer. You said we should ask that our joy may be full. So Lord, we ask everything that comes to our hearts. We ask, and we know we will receive the things that we ask. Oh, we thank you. We thank you for the privilege of prayer. Thank you for bringing us into the communion of the God kind, the participation with, with divinity. It's not something we had prior to Christ, but now we have the middle world of partition broken. We have access to the throne room. Thank you for access. Thank you for access. Thank you for access. Thank you for access. Thank you for access, oh Lord. Thank you for access. Thank you because we can bring our vulnerabilities. We can bring our pain. We can bring our suffering. We can bring our joys. We can bring everything in our lives to you. And Lord, it's communion. It is fellowship. We see changes in our lives. Thank you for the privilege. Thank you for the privilege. Oh, Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen. I know, you know, I, I'm trying to see if we can build a culture of, you know, trying to have our videos on or at least have people respond. But please just, if, you, if it's in the chat, just let me know that you're actually participating. All right. Um, I, I want to still I want us to still pray in that line because see, you may not understand what it means that we can talk to God. Maybe you don't get the maybe I think maybe if you've interacted with Muslims, you understand, you know, the 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 distance that they have with God. Like there's a there's a physical and mental and spiritual distance. If you've read the Quran at all, or you've even met with a Muslim, they'll tell you like, ah, you know, that there's that clear distance with God is there and he is far. Yeah. He is, he's hallowed. He's separate. The Bible calls him holy, thrice holy. So he's in a class of his own. And then you look at the Jews and realize the Jews had that same mindset. Like, ah, in order to hear from God, we need to have a prophet. So the prophet has to go. Moses had to climb a mountain to hear God. And he received 
Ten Commandments, 40 days. Didi, Didi, we're hearing you. He, he went up there, like 40 days, and then comes down, his face is glowing. Like, you need to understand what we're talking about. Like, God is high up. He's high up to get instructions from God. They had to, in fact, there was even, it was so hard to even hear God's voice. You know, when you read the Bible, you just feel like God was talking every time. It was difficult. We only have the record of when he did speak. And we're talking of thousands of years, you know, gaps. You know, they had the Urim and the Tumim. They would do some things so that they would be able to hear God's voice and, and, and make decisions. But they had to have spe- special access. And then finally, there was the temple. God created this system. And then the high priest is the one that goes in, you know, for the people, offered, put the blood on the, on the um, Ark of the Covenant, uh, on the mercy seat and do all these different things, you know? And even him was afraid. Like if he did anything wrong in that place, he did not follow the due order, he would be struck dead. Like that's the God I'm talking about. That in the temple, there were curtains that split where everybody was in the outer court to the inner court. And then the Holy of Holies is inside the inner court. And they were like, Layers dividing each, each, each one. And then the Bible tells us that when Jesus was crucified, oh, God, I'm wrong, Dekesh. When Jesus was crucified, the Bible says everywhere went dark. There was an earthquake. And in the temple, that curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the other part of the temple was split in half. Like it was cut from top. The Bible says from top to bottom. That was only the hand of God. So now that is a powerful statement saying all can come in. The, 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 the structure of worship is now open. Whereas now no one has to go to one city or one mountain to worship. It says now the, the just, the, the worshipers can worship in spirit and in truth. Meaning there is no geographical, geographical location. We all have access to the Father. It's a privilege. And so if you're not using that privilege, you are missing something. It's either a knowledge gap or you're just lazy. And so we're going to pray, Lord, help us to approve and understand and embrace the gifts of privilege. The gift that we have to access you. Help us to embrace it. Help us to hold it dearly and help us to take advantage of it, that the middle wall of partition has been broken, that the, 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 the curtain in the temple has been split from top to bottom. So now we have access. So Lord, help me in my weakness. Help me. Just begin to pray that right now. Lord, I'm struggling in my prayer life. I need a resurgence. Let this truth burn in my heart. Let this truth resonate in my heart that yes, I have access to the Father and I will take advantage of it. I will not be lazy. I will not be lazy. I will pray. I will trust God. I will ask and receive joy and receive gladness and receive answers to my prayers. I take advantage of the privilege. Lord, you who were once far off, the Bible says we have been drawn nigh to you. We have been drawn nigh to you. We've been brought close to your presence. So Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We will not take this opportunity for granted. We will not take this privilege for granted in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good. Amen. Thank you. One more Amen. prayer. And this one is for you. Jesus says, 
ask so that you're joining me before. And Paul says in Philippians 4, 6, he says, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Yes, you have real issues. But if Paul, who was in prison, and was writing this letter, and he was in prison, he said, don't be worried. <laughs> you, you know that, you know that, yeah. you know, you are, you are, you, you cannot have suffered as much as Paul did. Yet he says, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. So I want you to use this opportunity. Stay muted. Is there anything that you feel, you know, you need an answer to? I, I sense a strong anointing. God is going to use this opportunity to just give you that peace that your heart needs. Remember Hannah? Hannah went to pray. She hadn't got her baby yet, but she knew she had the answer. She went rejoicing. She went happy. I want you to pray like that right now. Lord, this is the issue I really need help with. I need your hand here. I need your touch here. I need something to be done about this situation. So, Lord, I ask in faith. You said I should come. I should not worry. But in everything with prayer, through my prayers now and my petitions and, and my thanksgiving to you, I make my, my request known. And the peace, the peace that comes from God, that passes all understanding, will guard my heart. So let me give you time to pray. Just pray right now. Pray, pray. Talk to him. That specific thing, you know, that maybe just a few, maybe a handful of people know, a, hand, a handful, sorry, of people. Or maybe no one knows. Or it's something that has troubled you. Let God hear you right now. Let God hear you right now. Talk to him. He catches your tears. He catches them. Just one more minute. Just wrap it, wrap it up and wrap it up with thanksgiving. As you ask, it says with thanksgiving. So know that God has heard you and has given the answer. And now you just have to faith it and trust in God's willingness and ability to do what he says he will. Thank you, mighty God. Is anyone here that is sick right now? You know, don't be specific. Just there is, there is an ailment in your body. Just raise your hand right now. I want to pray for you. There's a sickness in your body. Is anyone like that right now? Even if it's one that you've just gotten used to at this point. Let me see a hand up or some some something. And let's pray for you. And and if you're standing in for anyone, that is also fine. So if you if you have a friend that is sick right now, we're going to pray in agreement. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, the healer is here. The healer is here. He went around doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. So in the name of Jesus, we speak healing right now to everyone who is infirmed in their body. That devil of darkness gets out in the name of Jesus. Let the peace of God, let the strength of God begin to overwhelm that body right now. Sickness, you have no place. You have no authority in the name of the, the risen king. 
You are healed right now, this moment, in the name of Jesus. Everyone right now, in the name of Jesus, there is healing for you. If you're praying for someone, connect right now with them and say, in the name of Jesus, you are healed. You are healed. You are healed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. You are healed in the name of Jesus. Lord, we see your healing power at work in them right now. From, their, from now, it comes to an end. Comes to an end. Thank you, mighty God. Thank you, mighty God. Everyone who we have prayed for, we will see a miracle in the name of Jesus. We will see prayers answered. We will stand in faith in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Hey there, so we've come to the end of this teaching session and we hope it was for you a teaching and an enlightening moment. We have so many other topics on our podcast that range from spiritual gifts to charisma to interpreting the Bible world and so many others. If you'd like to listen to any one of them, just look through our podcast catalog and find the topic that you'd love to learn. If you'd like to join us Sunday live on MixLR or on Zoom, all you need to do is go to our website, which is bit.ly forward slash bmg live 4 that's the number 4 or you can look in the description and you will find the link to the website there we hope you have a blessed week and continue to grow and progress with joy in your faith